Hello, this is a prepaid call from Joe. Uh, welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I'm your co-host, Anais Lucia. And today we're going to be talking about Campaign, Campaign Zero. It's a program that, as far as what I'm familiar with, it's a program that focuses on trying to end police violence. And they focus more so on policy issues, trying to get lawmakers to pass laws to change the way the police operate so we can stop all of these police shootings and, and the way that the police police our neighborhoods. And in this episode, Anais is going to be guiding it and talking more about it. And I'm just going to be giving my perspective about uh, the different policies that they put forth. And so here we go. Yeah. Go ahead, Anais. Okay, so we are... Um the campaign zero's agenda has basically kind of like 10 different um i guess policies that they're proposing so we're gonna start with the first one which is end okay. broken windows policing so just a little bit of, um, okay. of facts information here only five percent of all arrests made in america are for violent crimes meanwhile the vast majority of arrests are for low-level offenses that pose no threat to public safety Police departments should decriminalize or deprioritize enforcement of these issues, and cities should begin scaling up the role of mental health providers, substance abuse counselors, and other community-based responses to these issues that are more effective and that do not risk exposing communities to police violence. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the first time I became aware of like this broken windows policies was... Uh, I think it was back in the 90s when Giuliani was mayor in New York. Mm. Now, I could be wrong about that because I don't know if it carried over into the Bloomberg administration when he became the mayor, but I, I, I do believe it was under Giuliani and I had a big problem with that because I think it, like you said in, the, in your intro, I think it, 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 it criminalized the behaviors of, you know, certain groups of people. I, I would have, and this might sound a little controversial, but I wouldn't have had such a big issue with the stop the frisk if it would have been applied across the board, but we know that it wasn't. It focused on black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's what was unfair about it. But I noticed while I was preparing for the episode, I was reading up on it. And a lot of the things that they do in prison mirror, you know, the, the way that policy was uh, implemented out there on the streets. And I just didn't understand. Because I, I got about five or six guys together and we were talking about it. I didn't understand how the citizens out there thought that that would be a good idea, just stopping people randomly. And they made it appear that they had problem cause, but to me it was stopping people randomly, black and brown people, especially if they were in groups of two or more, mm -hmm. just patting them down on the wall. And, and, and as far as I understand, most of the stops didn't result in any arrest or any uh, seizures of drugs or guns or anything like that. It was mainly to harass people and keep them away from downtown, you know, or, well, what they call Times Square, there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was that's my issue with the stop and frisk thing. I, I, well, the broken window, I'm sorry, broken window. It's, it's more about stopping people for the small crime and then leading to, uh, they, I think they believe that if, if you stop people for the small crimes, it'll lead to you know, a decrease in the, in the more serious crimes. Is that what? Is that is that how you understand it? They actually said that they want to establish bans on those types of policies, like the racial profiling, stop and frisk, so they don't support those. I think they did. They did ban it 
Did they ban it in New York? I'm, I'm almost certain that if they didn't, they were going to. But I'm, I know that they still do that in other states. But yeah. like the, my perspective from in here is it still goes on. And, um, you know, people in here, we're, we're mainly against that stop and frisk because it, it does nothing more than harass you. It doesn't, it doesn't solve any crimes. It's not, you know, you don't, you're not catching people with weapons or anything like it. It's mainly just to arrest people. And most of the people that I talked to in preparation for this episode were like, what is the point of it? If it's mm. not going to decrease crime, why are they doing it? Yeah. You know, and I, that's the part that's hard for me to understand when they talk about the stop and frisk. What is the point of it? Okay. Is that, do they do that in affluent neighborhoods? Do they have any statistics that would, I guess, make that policy, back that policy up? Do they do it across the board? You know, and uh, I wish that, you know, legislatures would ban it outright. You know, is there any federal legislation that's out there that's addressing that issue? Um, well, they don't have all of that information. I would have to do a little bit more research to get um, yeah. answer all those specific questions. But as of right now, it's just kind of those are the bullet points that are, are on here. Okay. What are some of the other things that Campaign Zero is advocating for? Okay, so the second one is uh, end for profit policing. So police departments should not be allowed to profit from aggressively ticketing, issuing fines, and confiscating property from communities. And when police are sued for misconduct, they should have to bear the burden of paying finan- all financial costs associated with their actions. So, um, you know, basically establish a cap on the amount of revenue that can be raised through municipal fines and fees and prohibit police from seizing cash and property from civilians who haven't been convicted of a crime and prohibit police from participating in the federal equitable equitable sharing program to seize the assets and require police departments to pay misconduct settlements from their own budgets rather than taking this money from programs that support communities. So well, what do you think about that? Well, um, <laughs> I never really understood how they even got there mm. um, to where they thought that they had the legal right. Well, they do have the legal right to seize property, but I don't know why lawmakers felt the need to do that. I mean, I just don't understand what it is. It seems like everything about, you know, when it comes to policing, it's like a certain group of people are under attack, and that's just another example. It, it prevents people from being able to build wealth. I'm sure they're talking about seizing drug monies and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But what happened to due process? Yeah. Shouldn't the person be found guilty before that takes place? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of instances, I know a guy in Tennessee that was traveling from Tennessee to New York. He got stopped. I'm trying to think of what state he got stopped in. I can't remember what state it was. The state between here and New York, he got stopped. And they seized $45,000 from him. He was on his way to buy some clothes in New York because he had a clothing store in Tennessee. But they seized the money, and he had to, they didn't arrest him. They seized the money, let him go, and then he had to go to court to prove that he was using that money to buy clothes. He wasn't able to prove it, and they took the money. Oh, my god! They just took the money. No due process. He wasn't found guilty of any crime. The police stopped him and said, what are you doing with this much money? He didn't have any paperwork on it. He was, you know, a small business owner, and he still lost the money. I think that that law preempted uh, due process. But I do believe, I do believe that practice in Tennessee has been stopped. 
I know it's been big on the news down here, mm, but okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I just don't think I don't think that uh, I, I really appreciate Campaign Zero trying to keep the focus on something like this because I don't think a lot of people really understand what that does to people and how that affects you know small business owners that might be traveling to get their uh, clothing or mm. whatever products they need for their company. Yeah. Everybody that has money traveling with them is not involved in criminal activity. So, yes. You know, you know, here they're saying to require police departments to pay misconduct settlements from their own budgets. But I've also heard it proposed, like, I think they're, I think this is part of the George Floyd Act, actually, to have the actual police officers themselves, like the individual, be responsible to pay for like any settlements and stuff. Because if the police officers know that they're personally going to be held responsible, like financially, if they do something wrong, they're going to be less likely to behave or just like, you know, I guess hopefully be better cops. <laughs> um, so what do oh, you think yeah. about that? Oh, do you yeah. think they should be personally like have to pay the settlements and stuff? I do. Okay. I, I do. I think that, but to do that, they're going to have to change a lot of these laws that give them this indemnified immunity, qualified immunity, you know, that they mm. use uh, a lot of times across the board to exempt themselves. From that. Yeah, but I think police should be held responsible and should have to pay if they violate the law. But again, uh, when it comes to these things, the laws are going to have to be changed because it allows them to do these things. But yeah, I think they should be liable because a lot of police officers, and let, let me go on record and saying this, let me say this because I don't want any kickback from it. Mm-hmm. I do believe that uh, the majority of police officers are not corrupt and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that the system it's flawed and it allows those individuals that don't have those kind of scruples that were that more accomplished that will guide them the right way it gives them free reign to do whatever they want and the problem that i have with the good cops is they don't stop the bad cops from doing it they they treat yeah. it like you know a team sport and that you know if they put it into place to where officers and i think da's and judges too mm-hmm. should be held accountable for the things that they do when it comes to arresting somebody, they play fast and loose with the rules. DAs that play fast and loose with the rules and judges that don't stop it. I think all of them should be held accountable and liable financially. I do. Okay. I really do. All right. Really do. So number three um, on the agenda is limit use of force. Police departments with more restrictive use of force policies like banning chokeholds and requiring de-escalations are less likely to kill people. Uh, so this is what they found like with their research and more restrictive use of force policies are safer for officers too yet most police departments still have not uh, not adopted these policies and most states still have not passed requiring requiring them to do so so restrict deadly force to be authorized only when strictly necessary to protect life after all other reasonable alternatives are exhausted including the use of de-escalation and non-lethal force techniques. So I think that's super important because I feel like in a lot of cases we don't see that. Like they kind of jump right to like using deadly yeah. force sometimes. It's like you you didn't use all these other options. So um, so yeah, I think... Yeah, there's not a lot of non-lethal ways to stop somebody. I mean, for example... Um, I really hate that I can't remember what state this was in, but it was a young girl that was attacking another girl. They they got to fighting. The police were called by the girl that actually ended up dead. 
but she was getting ready to stab this other girl. It was all over the news, and the police officers that pulled up, he shot and killed her. Now, again, I understand because the way that girl was swinging, it was probably going to be contact made with that knife and that other girl. But the way, when he shot her, that bullet dropped her. It dropped her, you know, and I think she died. You know, may she rest in peace. But I also believe that this teenage girl, if he would have shot her with that taser, that taser would have dropped her just as fast. Now, I can't guarantee that, but I've been hit by a taser, and you drop just like that, you know. So do, do I believe that they should be should have to use non-lethal force first? Yes. But in that split second is where police try to explain to people a lot of times they don't they don't really have the luxury of time and saying, okay, let me try this first and then I'll try that, you know. But that's one of those policies that, you know, I'm torn on. Mm-hmm. I wish that they would use more non-lethal um, efforts to stop people. But you know, in the heat of the moment, I, I don't know. Some situations, it's hard to say. I just, what I don't like is when they lie about the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can't see what's going on and we have to take their version of it. And, you know, that's the part that I have a problem with. But I, I do believe that they should use more non-lethal efforts to stop crime from happening in our neighborhood. Because I just don't understand why people have to die with the majority of the, of the issues that are going on. I, mean, I just don't. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe, because I, I don't know, I feel like um, police officers, like this is kind of not part of, I think, Campaign Zero, but just something, my own opinions, I feel like police officers should probably go through some like mental health evaluation like every year or every six months because sometimes yeah, yeah. I feel like certain people are attracted to that profession but not for good reasons because, oh, they were bullied yeah. and yeah. this is my way to take revenge and then they're they're more likely, I think, to maybe be the more violent, bad cops. The biggest issue that I have, and, and when I was reading over the Campaign Zero um, literature, the biggest issue that I have that I didn't see on there is I wish there was some kind of way to disband police departments. And the whole point, I mean, those problem areas. And what I mean by that is why I think that would be effective is disband those police departments then that'll do away with the union protections and then just start over it's not like you tell them to go home it's a, it's a totally paper move where you on paper you disband it and start over rehire those that you want fire the ones that you don't and you're not bound by these contracts that they have with these uh federal uh what's called fraternal order of police you have to have a way to control the police that police your neighborhoods. I, it seems mm-hmm. like to me that police are some kind of separate government entity. Who do they answer to? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one thing that I wish that I would have been able to find when I was reading that Campaign Zero literature because that people have taken the defund the police aspect out of context and twisted it up so bad that now you people really don't want to even talk about it when I think it's a great idea, mm-hmm. you know, rerouting money. But that's one thing that I wish that, you know, Campaign Zero would address. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other things that they talk about when, uh, as far as Campaign Zero? Because I know you said it was 10 things Yes. Yeah, so the fourth one is demilitarization. 
Uh, so oh, yeah. the federal 1033 program transfers military weapons to police departments, including grenade launchers and tanks. And, you know, they've seen that departments that receive more of these weapons are more likely to kill. So they basically want to prohibit cities and counties from using federal funds to purchase military equipment. And at minimum, a city council should be should be the ones to approve, um, should be required to, um, you know, be able to, like, approve this uh, equipment. So what do you oh, think? I totally support that. I totally support that because what does a police department need with a grenade launcher? Yeah. Seriously, I mean, what's really going on here? I mean, wh why would they even think that they would need something like that? Mm -hmm. We, I, No, no, I agree with that. I think that that needs to be at the top of the list of things that they need to do. You know, I, I just don't understand why the police force believes it needs to be more like the military. It's, it's, it just doesn't. Yeah, and they got everybody believing that a boogeyman is behind every tree and under every bush. Yeah, exactly. And if they don't protect us, then we're not going to be safe. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah, and it makes you. I feel like it makes it makes it more like oh, police versus the citizens. Whereas like oh, I thought you guys were supposed to protect us and we're supposed to be able to like kind of trust you if something like if I'm in yeah. danger, I would like to be able to trust the police to come and like help instead of like oh well i maybe i'm scared like I, they're gonna get violent and make things worse or something because they see us as like the enemy or something yeah i, I don't think I, I think the majority of people want police but i think that they want a different form of police you mm -hmm. know what i mean like you just said they created this narrative us versus them and it's scary mm -hmm. you know it, it's really scary because they have this authority and they've negotiated it through these contracts that they have with the cities that they police that they can pretty much do almost anything that they want to. Mm -hmm. I wonder why when they negotiate these contracts, why is that not open to the public? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you go to City Hall when they're trying to pass legislation, you know, the mayors are. It's open to the public. Why is it? Why these negotiations for these uh, police officers not open to the public, so the public can have some say on whether they think that's appropriate or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see a reason for the police to need grenade launchers. Who are they trying to? What are they going to do with that? I mean, yeah. I mean, and I mean, other house are they going to hit with that? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's other countries who are able to, you know, perfectly be able to like deescalate without. You know, there's other countries that don't have, you know, all these, like, you know, tanks and stuff, and they have a lot less, you know, incidents of police violence, so that's why I don't really understand why the U.S. is, like, <laughs> feels the need for it. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's, it has shown that more tanks and launchers means less violent police. Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's very unnecessary, I think, as well. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh... For me, the policy, the narrative, rather, let me say that, the narrative that American streets are so dangerous that you need to have a military force occupy to keep crime down, I just think that's a lie. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lie, and I think that they know it's a lie, but it's hard to convince somebody that's been raped or a loved one of theirs has been raped or murdered that, you know, you don't need force like that. I get, I get the fear. I get in the moment how they feel, but 
when we come to prison for those types of crimes, I'm, I'm talking about murder, I'm not talking about rape. I don't, you know, guys in here for rape, they have a different issue going on, and I think there's a mental issue they need. Uh, that's something that's still hard for me to even understand and comprehend. Uh, but as far as those people in here for murder or violent crimes, let's say that, other than rape, mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, um, if we were that dangerous, and we talk about this all the time here, man, some of the guys I talk to, mm. if we were that dangerous, why would they let us out to work? Mm. Why are we able to walk around? Because our behavior uh, dictates that we have demonstrated that we're not this person that they say we are. Most people in here change, but not the person that they that they were when they committed the crime. And to convince people that we're so dangerous, that our streets are so unsafe, that we need to have tanks running up and down them and grenade launchers and weapons like that, these are weapons of mass destruction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't need that in our police or our military, yeah, because you know, you fight foreign countries mm -hmm. and things like that. But our police force? No, our police force needs to be here to protect and serve everybody. Yeah. Those individuals that commit crimes, yes. Arrest them, due process, whatever the case may be, get found guilty, innocent, whatever the case may be, let the process play out. But as far as this narrative that we need to have tanks and, and grenade launchers and, and everybody you know, needs an AK-47. I, I just think that's a lie that's been perpetrated on the American public because somebody's getting rich. That's just how I see it. Somebody mm. is getting rich off of this. They buy these weapons from the military or they're feeding their egos. One, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I already kind of said that, like, I didn't really think it was, you know, because I feel like it kind of makes it seem like the people you're supposed to protect which is you know the citizens like it makes it seem like we're the enemy or <laughs> kind of and it just makes it like like i said makes it kind of harder for to have kind of like that like trust in them or kind of friendly rapport like i i mean i I've, i did see something like like i was in philadelphia a few years ago and i remember like i don't know what they do in their police department but i i was like amazed seeing how the citizens would like like so all around the city i would see like people just go up to the cops and like ha be able to talk to them and they were like so friendly and i'm not really used to seeing that like i was like what is up here like this is great like it seemed like everyone like trusted the cops i felt comfortable talking to the cops and like i was part of a protest there too but like the cops were, were pretty like peaceful and you can talk to them and stuff like that and I was like I don't know what's going on here I kind of want to do research I'm like um but I feel like yeah. that is not you know most a lot of people don't feel that way about the cops like at least I don't know from what I see it's like people don't trust them they don't want to you know if maybe they might need help from the cops they don't might not want to call because they don't want to they're scared how they're going to react and I've had other encounters where like a cop will just follow me. I'm wearing a hoodie, <laughs> and I like I'm just like yeah. exercising, and the the cop car will just follow me, and I'm just like, oh my god, like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so it's just like, right, yeah. Right. So um, I feel like it's more. I don't know. I might be wrong, but like I feel like it's more rare to see like kind of what I saw in Philadelphia, where it's like 
people felt comfortable talking to the cops and they you know were like friendly and helpful and i was like okay i feel yeah. like this is how it should be but it's not um so we definitely don't I, need i wish it was like that yeah. i wish it was everywhere mm-hmm. you know and i think i'm gonna say that i think it's getting better mm-hmm. in certain places uh have you ever seen this show called philly da no you need to watch that it's on okay. NPT. it is a great show it's about this da i think his name is larry Krasner. Mm. And he used to be a defense attorney, and they have done some amazing things in Philadelphia. Mm. Changed a whole lot, and and that may be maybe as a that's why of the policies. Yeah, there's a very progressive DA. Uh, he he don't play games now, but mm. he, he he don't tolerate that nonsense either. You know, and he will prosecute the police if they get out of line. You know, so I think a lot of his policies are starting to show up there, and I wish that that would be something that. Um, would spread throughout the country but you, you do see changes mm-hmm. in the system it's just that those situations like uh, George Floyd those are the ones that we see mostly and then even when we do see the police going to the stores and buying gifts for Christmas with kids and things like that uh, the very next week we'll see those same police officers or in that area shooting somebody in the back so it's hard to reconcile a lot of that kind of stuff but yeah. you know programs like campaign zero I, I i really after i read a lot of that stuff i really do appreciate what they do and and why they're doing it you know so how is it that can will you tell the listeners how they can participate and, and, and where they can find them at yeah so their website is join campaign zero so zero spelled out join campaign org. And yeah, you can donate. You can also don't um, download like PDFs and other things to maybe pass out to other people and share to kind of let people know about these different policies and find out how you can get involved if you want to get maybe a little bit more involved instead of just like donating. But it's it's good for people who maybe feel like you know kind of powerless. Like I want to do something, but maybe for some reason they don't want to go protest or they can't maybe just be involved in other ways. But I feel like. You know, if you can find an organization that's doing something that you support, definitely donate to them. So I, I donate to them. So that's something that you can do. And yeah, it's uh, joincampaignzero.org. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I encourage people to go do that. Check that out. I hope that they uh, get involved. Like you said, if they don't want to go out and protest, they can donate. Mm-hmm. So let me address something real quick because I feel the need to do this. I, I don't know if the listeners can hear all the, this noise in the background. But I just want to let people know I am in prison. I'm in a pod right now. And you got people out cleaning up and talking and walking and stuff like that. So that may be some of the noise that you hear. So don't freak out. It's not a bad production. Mm-hmm. This is just real stuff here. I am in prison. I'm sitting in a pod right now. And everybody's out walking around cleaning up. Just got back from child. So, you know, that's the noise that you hear. So I just wanted you to know that. Uh, this is, I'm not a big production show or anything like that but this is real stuff here you know and I'm on a phone that uh, the state provides on the walls and I'm sitting out in front of everybody doing this show so just in case anybody was wondering what's really going on that, that's what's going on mm-hmm. well unless you have something else we're going to wrap this up you got anything else you want to talk about with Campaign Zero? Um, well you know like you 
did mention that they have uh, 10 kind of like policy solutions on their agenda. We were only able to kind of get through half of them. But yeah, if you want to feel, you know, if those of you listen, if, mean, if you want to go through the other ones, you can. Just real quick, it was body cameras, uh, filming the police, sure. ind- independent investigations, training, community representation, com- and, uh, community oversight, and fair police union contracts. So those were the other ones. But yeah, you can go to the joincampaignzero.org to check them out. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, until you said that to me last week about Campaign Zero, I had never heard about it. But now I'm going to get involved as best as I can. Uh, and I'm going to encourage other guys in here to let their families know about it so they can get involved. And, you know, if they you know, don't want to protest, donate some money. You know, mm-hmm. Is there a minimum amount do you know of that you can donate? Or I think you can donate... Um... Yeah, it actually gives you kind of, you can put in the amount that you want. So if you want to donate a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, you know, that's, oh, okay. every little bit helps. Every little bit, yeah, that's true, every little bit helps. So I'll be spreading the word about Campaign Zero in here and hopefully it'll resonate and the guys will tell their families about it and more people can get involved and get with these policymakers and, and uh, get some things done because we, we most definitely need it. Mm-hmm. You have one minute remaining i want to thank you uh for uh, this episode and doing this show and bringing campaign zero to my attention and to the listeners attention and i hope that uh the next episode is just as good as this <laughs> and uh <laughs> no doubt uh i look forward to our next one i hopefully uh, uh next week we'll be talking a little bit about uh the link between making our communities safer and how they run prisons. I have an interesting perspective on that and uh, I want to try to discuss that with you mm-hmm. next week so get ready. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to it. Well, I want to thank you again and that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for using GTL.